My experiments in genetics brought me here to the swamp. My sister and I had developed a biorestorative formula that could double the world's food production. I was caught in a terrible explosion and fire. The flames consumed my body, but somehow the chemicals in the formula reconstructed my tissue from the slime in the swamp. They call me Swamp Thing. Welcome to Now Playing's Swamp Thing Retrospective Series. A plant for the 21st century. Hosted by Arnie. You're mad! I never felt to say nothing. Stuart. He's like a brilliant chess player. He anticipates every move. And Jacob. Oh, shit. There goes the neighborhood. Join us each week as we watch and review another Swamp Thing film. Yeah, I think that green is good. These podcasts will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Let's hope this project doesn't end with a bang. Today, we are discussing... Or, actually, in this movie, today, we are discussing... <laughs> the Return of Swamp Thing! Starring Louis Jordan, Heather Locklear, Dick Duroc, Sarah Douglas, and directed by Jim Wynorski. I'm Arnie, and I've never felt saner. Stuart in L.A.? And this is the host that demands obedience from those around me, Jacob. Sir, yes, sir. So let's talk about Return of Swamp Thing. They actually made a sequel to the film that almost killed Wes Craven's career. Yes, how do we get a return to Swamp Thing? I am interested in hearing this story. Well, I predict it's as you said, Jacob. When the movie came out in 1982, DC was ramping up to bring it back in publication and they stumbled on something that was a bigger hit in print than it ever was in the movie i don't think we're necessarily getting a sequel to what we saw last week it's more like a rethink a reboot a how do we capitalize on the fact that alan moore had an incredible run of saga of swamp thing and you know what i wanted to know there was no way i could walk back into this swamp today and review another movie without hearing something good if this hype was too much, I've read many other Alan Moore works. I read Watchmen, Lost Girls, V for Vendetta. I had Optimism. I picked up a few issues. I did read his Saga of Swamp thing, about four issues. And not bad. I liked it. It had some interesting ideas. It was very Alan Moore. It did remind me a lot of V, with you know, dialogue bubbles that were nearly as big as the characters in, on the page and a lot of angst and, and, and darkness. But I felt like he really nailed a tone that I liked. It had a sinister gothic vibe, and yet there was a cerebral intelligence to it all. And I, I felt like, I don't know if that's what this Swamp Thing movie was going to emulate, but I could at last see, after Man-Thing and Swamp Thing, <laughs> I can finally see an appeal where none existed prior. Yeah, you can't say enough about how groundbreaking his run on Swamp Thing was. I mean, it created Vertigo. We've done some Vertigo movies, and it was one of the first mainstream comics to drop the comic code authority sophisticated suspense is how they marketed it he took it in a very different direction that we saw last week and i think that we're gonna see this week it's interesting there are elements of alan moore's run in this film which shocked me but this is still a very different tone than you'll get if, if you've only read moore's run on the comic i was just really shocked by this movie when i got the special edition dvd <laughs> Oh, no. How many editions are you watching? <laughs> Just one, thank the Lord. But I put it in, 
And I noticed there were public service announcements. After the last movie, I wondered if they were warning me away from the film. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to watch those before I watched the movie. And it's two kids who I will later find out feature prominently (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) Oh, man, I can just imagine. Fishing when the fat one throws a cup in the water and goes, look, the cup's floating like a boat. And Swamp Thing then comes up and lectures him on littering. Oh, I think I remember these. I know there was a TV show. I don't remember that TV show, but I think I remember these PSAs. And you could have knocked me over with a feather when Swamp Thing opened his mouth and the voice of somebody from an infomercial who I would expect to sell me ShamWows comes out. (laughs) What did they do to Swamp Thing's voice? I'm telling you, it started in that last one. He didn't do a whole lot of talking, but his voice was off, and it's off even more in this one. I'm telling you, reboot, redo. I think that they would have been very happy to never have had a Swamp Thing before. Keep in mind, this is coming out in summer, early summer, 1989. They're jumping on Batman. They are finally getting Batman made. The first one rode the coattails of Superman's movie success. Now they're trying to get ahead with the Batman success by doing a low-budget thing that is still DC, but tapping into what they hope to be a comic book craze. And it is, again, produced by Benjamin Melkner, and he would do both Return of Swamp Thing and Batman. But I can say that this was a movie that had a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And I listened to the director's commentary. We'll talk about this director. I know him a little bit. But as far as the production goes, he was brought in to shoot it. There was a script. He had three weeks to shoot the whole damn thing. And then after it was shot, he was done. He was not involved. He thought they'd use Dick Duroc's voice, as they did in the last one. And when he finally saw the final product, he was as shocked as I was to hear what Swamp Thing sounded like. Yeah, I knew that there must be different takes on the story because, believe it or not, there's a novelization for Return of Swamp Thing. I know I didn't read it, and no, I'm never doing it for (laughs) Books and Nachos, but I did do a little research about what it was, and it was written by Peter David, who has done a lot of novelization. Arnie, I think you read his version of Ang Lee's Hulk. He did Spider-Man. He wrote a lot of original works in the Star Trek universe. He's a very popular science fiction author. Let me jump to the chase. I'm a huge fan of Peter David's. I was going to say, I'm surprised you haven't read this. You're such a big fan of Peter David. Yeah, I've read tons of his comic runs. I've read his original fiction. Pulling Up Stakes is a really good original vampire novel. I didn't just review Ang Lee's Hulk. If you go over to MarveliciousToys.com and search through the archives, I reviewed every one of his movie novelizations. Iron Man, Hulk, Incredible Hulk, the Spider-Man films. He's all over the place. And yeah, I actually met him very recently at New York Comic Con and... He just saw this script and went, this is crap, and wrote his own story, and he's done that with other novelizations, too. He writes what he thinks is a good story more than what the screenwriter thinks is a good story. Yeah, I thought it was telling. Apparently, he writes Alan Moore as a character into it, that he's the desk clerk of a motel and is kind of narrating the whole affair. I think that he was a big fan of what Alan Moore did and would have liked to have seen this movie follow closer to the comic than clearly it does. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Peter David. I have no doubt that if I were to read the novelization, it would be better than the film we're going to talk about. But he also sometimes 
plays pretty close. I was a little disappointed in some of his Marvel novelizations, how close they actually stayed to the screen. But yeah, sometimes he just can't write a turd. Well, then why don't you tell him what the turd is? Give him some shape to it. What's the plot? Abby Arcane is your everyday 80s Malibu girl, obsessed with boys and her shrink's latest diagnosis of her neuroses. With the recent death of her mother, Abby decides to fly to the swamps to confront her stepfather, Dr. Anton Arcane. But Abby has no way to know these swamps are filled with mutated creatures. Since the events of the first movie, Arcane has been experimenting with Dr. Alec Holland's formula. Now Arcane, aided by his goons and scientists, is seeking not only immortality, but a permanent cure for the mutation he suffered at the end of the last film. His experiments have created a menagerie of half-man, half-beasts, and while many are terminated, some have escaped to the swamp where they are hunted by Swamp Thing. Arcane believes Abby's genes may hold the key to his cure, so he tries to abduct his stepdaughter. She escapes to the swamp where she's saved by Swamp Thing, with whom she falls madly in love, including some hallucinogenic sex scene we have got to talk about. <laughs> Straight from the comic! Wow. But when Swamp Thing is distracted by two kids seeking to sell his photograph to tabloids, Abby is again captured and Swamp Thing is ambushed and blown to bits with a grenade. But his pieces drain into Arcane's bathtub, where the Thing reforms and rescues Abby while Arcane is left in his exploding plantation to die. But Abby was rescued too late. She died in Arcane's machine. Fortunately, Swamp Thing holds the key to resurrection and brings his lover back to life, though he warns her that she may experience some changes, and a twig sprouts out of the blonde's foot as credits roll, and Creedence Clearwater revival plays on. So, perhaps the most surprising thing about this movie for me was not that they could afford Creedence, but that <laughs> it is indeed a direct sequel to the last one. We've got Dick Durack back under the makeup, we've got Louis Jordan back as Arcane, and it's even explained why he no longer looks like a warthog. Yeah, they say some words why he doesn't. I don't know if it's explained. That's those. That's a little strong, using that word. Yeah, but it, a shocker. I figured they might have gotten the same swamp thing, but Louis Jordan, I figured, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice... No way. I mean, I just didn't see that this Oscar-nominated actor was going to come back for two schlocky Swamp Monster movies. But this was near the end of his career. I think he only made one other film, and he was done. I guess he's in on the joke. No, he was an asshole on the set. <laughs> he refused to do more than one take. He's like, you don't need coverage. You will give you what I give you. And apparently there was a period where he wasn't even talking to the director. <laughs> Wow. Well, at least they got him. And you're right. Because they did, I see it much more as a direct sequel as opposed to a reboot. But come on. Everything is different this time. With Craven gone, the changes are numerous. Wynorski. I know Wynorski. I know him quite well. I've seen at least half a dozen of his films. I first saw Not of This Earth was, I think, the first one of his, which I didn't see for him, but because it was Tracy Lords in her first mainstream role with some legal nudity. <laughs> yes, uh, he did do that. I think he, he came to prominence with Chopping Mall yes. about a bunch of security bots at a shopping mall who go crazy. Lots of schlock. The ones I know, 976 Evil 2. I didn't get to that one. Ghoulies 
four. Mm, I hope I never get to that one. <laughs> oh, now playing lives long enough. And Dino Croc versus Super Gator. Yes, he's now doing the sci-fi stuff. Yeah, and you know what, though? Craven made a mess of that last film. If you're going to go this camp route, yeah, a director that does schlock might not be the worst choice. I guess we could debate who was the worst choice when we get to the end of this, but if you're going to do a Toxic Avenger swap thing, I don't think we're ever going to get that Alan Moore version. It's just too cerebral. A schlock director is not a bad direction to go in. No, I, I appreciate it and instantly feel better about the movie. Once we start out here in the swamp with some weekend warrior guys, they seem to be office nerds by day, and now they're coming out to prove their manhood by- No, 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 they're government agents. Yeah, I thought they were feds. Yeah, I oh, think they keep you- saying they're looking for stills, and I'm like, they're looking yeah. for photos? But no, I think they're looking for moonshiners. They drop moonshiners, I'm like, oh, a distillery. They're, yeah, yes. they're ATF, I guess? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they are definitely looking for moonshiners, and later we meet the two that they were close to finding. I couldn't figure out why, the, but they're so nerdy. I guess that's the point, but okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, though, Stuart. I mean, before they said what they were doing and what they were looking for, I went back to that Friday the 13th that had the weekend warriors out for their paintball. Uh, Yeah, part six. Yeah, that was exactly my go-to reference. And it would have been fresh in theaters by a year or two at this point. Yeah, I I definitely felt like these guys were out of their element. They didn't feel like top-notch feds, if you were. And here they are being stalked by something. I guess we're meant to believe that it's going to be Swamp Thing or maybe a gator. But we see something trailing them as they go through the swamp. And turns out to be, a what, a giant leech monster? I thought it looked like some kind of weird elephant thing. I thought it was an octopus, but then later they say it's a leech. The word leech is used. I can tell you that, whether it's used or not. Uh, it could have been a gator. I kind of feel it's crazy that we get two Swamp Thing movies and not one gator in it. They don't have a budget for an actual animal wrangler. <laughs> but they, they, they do. They have a new creature, and that was something I think we all agreed the last movie could use a lot of. Silly characters, big monsters, campy vibe. I'm definitely more hooked into this movie instantly than I ever was in Craven's Swamp. Yeah, we all said we wanted more monsters, and here we are, the first five minutes. We're getting a crazy monster. We're getting Swamp Thing fighting a monster. Swamp Thing in a better suit. Voice is worse, but the suit's better. Oh, God, yes. It is a much, much better suit, despite... All the time that Craven spent on the last one and the makeup guy saying he was so proud of the last one, this is instantly better. I'm telling you, I was so relieved. I was nervous coming into this movie. But when I see this opening fight, I'm seeing something better than anything the last movie offered within six minutes on this one. It still looks Power Rangers with this weird leech monster, but I'm going with it. I I, I understand that this is what I'm going to get from a Swamp Thing film. I'm going to get this camp. I'm going to get this, you know, it's kind of funny. One of the things Arcane is known for in the comics is making the Unmen, these weird medical atrocities where they mix up DNA and all that. So I, I'm enjoying this, that we're going to see, hopefully, a lot more campy fighting going on. Right. It gives us something to to focus on, something for Swamp Thing to be triumphing over. And I want to give props, too, to Dick Duroc. I actually think with the new makeup job and the new suit, he gets a chance to act more. And in this campy universe, he's not bad. I actually think he's real fun with his facial expressions. He's no Jude, but he's pretty good. (laughs) 
it, no Jude, but he's having a good time, and I, I like this Swamp Thing more now. I agree. I think in the last podcast where you said that you weren't sure how much was supposed to be his face versus how much was the mask, I think this shows us we barely saw his face the last time. We just saw the shape of the mask and this expressionless latex. Here, yeah, we get to see his face coming through. We get his eyes more clearly, and he can move. He's a big stuntman, and he's able to move like this. And yeah, you already mentioned Friday the 13th, so now, yeah, he's kind of moving a bit like Kane Hodder, a big, beefy, strong guy. Right. This was the tail end of the slasher things. They had all gone campy, and I think it makes sense that Swamp Thing has it. Two, I want to point out now, two franchise where Wes Craven kicks it off, and they don't really become super successful until somebody else figures out how to turn them into comedy. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was the first movie to figure out Freddy, and this is the movie where they really figured out Swamp Thing. I think you might want to redefine your term super successful. You might say that it's working for you. I wouldn't say this movie was ever super successful. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. <laughs> this movie's not a super success, and I don't want to oversell it. This is a, a pile of junk, but, but the fact that it's a testament to how bad the movie was last week that I'm cheering to be doused in junk. When that, I guess it's CCR kicking in with Born on a Bayou. I'm liking this vibe. I'm pulling out my washboard and, and clicking right along with this. Again, totally campy, but a lot of fun. And I'm loving the opening credits with all these. I'm guessing these are real panels from the actual comics because I see the Joker in there. So yeah, that's from Alan Moore's run. They actually used, they weren't all from Alan Moore's run, but they, yeah, they used quite a few from his run and these were all comic panels. Yeah, I recognized them from the comics I read. I was like, oh, I, I felt like I was in on something. It was cool. I'm loving the look of this. The art reminded me more of the first Swamp Thing than the current one. But I'm really liking that you're giving me this comic book vibe. And we talked last time about how the last one was made PG for all audiences in the U.S. Here, this is telling me right now that this is going to be aimed at a younger audience, and I'm not proven wrong on that. This is no, a family movie. You mentioned Power Rangers, Jacob. I didn't have that comparative because I'm a little too old to have ever watched it, but now that you've said it... Oh, come on. You've seen the monsters. I've never watched an episode, but I know what it looks like. Right. I wouldn't ever think of it, but now that you've said it, yeah, you are just correct. Those are Power Zords or whatever the hell those monsters were in Power Rangers. So, so far, new director... More monsters, higher platform for Dick Duroc to be Swamp Thing. So far, so good. The big question remains, the star of the last movie, Adrian Barbeau, is gone as well. Yeah, I think she was gone from human society by 89, <laughs> wasn't she? I don't think I saw her in too many movies. She's worked a lot, but most of them in TV and, and not a lot in things that I've seen. But her peak in theatrical films had already happened, and they were going with a new romantic love interest. Not a bad idea, but what do you think when we meet blonde bimbo Heather Locklear? I was never into TJ Hooker, so if I'd seen this movie back when it came out, I would have no clue who she is other than a really attractive blonde. Now I, of course, know her from Melrose Place. Of course. <laughs> and there was Dynasty too. I didn't watch any of these shows, but she has made a very successful career out of doing high-profile television. Spin City. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with any of her work. I know who she is. Who doesn't know who Heather Locklear is? I couldn't tell you a thing she's done, though, except look good. 
And she does look good. And I was happy to see her because I knew she could play campy. You're right. I've seen her also on Spin City and a lot more television than I've ever seen her in movies. But she's got a strong, charismatic personality. In addition to being physically attractive, she has presence on screen. When she came in, she saved Melrose Place. So I was looking forward to seeing if she could save Swamp Thing. Her introduction scene, though... That has to have been her audition monologue, right? Because that's a bitch of a monologue to give to this mute woman who's sitting there staring at the TV while blathering on about her shrink and her boys and her mother. And Stuart, you said you turned on the closed captioning last week. I was so tempted to do that for this. I couldn't understand half of the words coming out of her mouth. Oh, come on. You can stroke a plan and it won't get the wrong idea? Again, there is a definite tone here. She's playing Abigail Arcane, Arcane's stepdaughter, and big difference from the comic book. Stuart, you said you got a gothy vibe off of those Swamp Thing comics. You definitely get that off of Abby. Here, no, she's a California bimbo. A totally different direction, but what I would expect if you're going for a more schlocky take on the character. And it's worth pointing out, she's not talking to the secretary at all. She's talking to her plants. They establish her right from the get-go as someone that has a better relationship with plants than she does human beings. She's talking to Jimmy and Gertrude. She's not talking to the woman watching TV. Okay, I thought she was talking to the woman watching TV, and I was curious there. I was really confused about the geography, because she's talking about Malibu. And I'm like, wait, are there... Are there swamps in California? (laughs) Where the hell is this movie? So I was glad when I find out that she decides to travel to the swamps. I thought she was just living near them in Malibu. Oh, I actually thought she took the cab all the way there. I thought it was part of the joke that she spent $30 with Gator Cab Company to be taken door to door from Malibu to Arcane's plantation. I thought the taxi driver might be Jude, but I guess he never worked again in TV or movies, so it could be him. I felt like it could be, you know, I don't know how much time has elapsed. We know that it has been a while since Arcane has dealt with Swamp Thing. It could have been 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. Jude's not looking so good here, but could have been Jude. I don't know. Heather Locklear, it's worth pointing out. She earned a Raspberry Award, won it, not only nominated, but won it for this film. I don't know that she is terrific in it. I don't think she's a hilarious comedic actress. But I think she gets the movie she's in a lot better than Adrian Barbeau. Come on, this film is raspberry proof. Raspberry are for truly bad films. I thought, you know what, Russ Craven's Swamp Thing should have got a raspberry. He thought he was doing something special there. This isn't trying to do anything special. She knows what movie she's in. She may deserve it for the sex scene alone. I mean, there's certain things you do that take a lot of showers to wash off. And being the TV star she was, she may not be a movie star. This was her first starring role in cinema. But there are things she does here that, yes, I could see it. The movie itself, no, not raspberry worthy. The embarrassment she causes to herself, starting with this opening monologue, and not the least of which is a sex scene with a giant plant. Maybe. I'm not going to damn the Raspberry Academy too much for that one. Yeah, I think it's the outrageousness of what they have her do that earns her the award. But for the performance, you know, it's not terrific. I won't say she's a brilliant comedian, but she's fitting into this movie and she's better, like many things, than what we saw in the last movie. 
Now, we're told that she did all of this because her transcendentalist therapist says she'll never get over her issues until she confronts her stepfather. Thank you for translating that. (laughs) Yeah. I knew there was a therapist. I don't know what a transcendentalist is. She says she's been like four psychics and they all tell her the same thing. Yeah, it's very confusing. It's very California. It's how yes. the rest of the world sees us. And so we're just dippy blonde people that throw our money away on false science and crazy notions. And that she would be in therapy at all would probably be kind of unique for most of the country. And that it's a transcendentalist. I, I Yeah, I guess on a different astral plane. Who knows? But the point is, it's all about trying to bridge a family gap here. What do we really understand about what happens? There is talk about a mother who died under mysterious terms and who was never given a proper funeral. Did any of you think that it was going to end up being Sarah Douglas's character, Lana Zorrell? No. Nope. <laughs> I just thought Arcane was married because what we understand is he was married to this woman who he supposedly truly loved. He wasn't just using her for her perfect genes, but it was this woman whose genes had the ability to transform him back from Warthog Man to human. And so I didn't think in the last movie, especially in the R-rated cut when he was having topless strippers in his house, that Arcane was a taken man. No, I definitely didn't. And more to the point, this introduces sort of a hiccup, if you will. So there is a way to turn back after your essence has been exposed. The plant serum splashes on you or you willingly drink it and you become what you are physically from your inner essence. Isn't that what Swamp Thing wants to cure? Why isn't he trying to get this same person and and do the same experiment? Stuart, you're the only person who wants Swamp Thing to turn back. I've never once heard Swamp Thing say, I wish I was human. Yeah, I've never got the sense that he's trying to turn back. I I don't know why he's continuing to be Swamp Thing. I guess because his essence is plants. But I never get the feeling that he wants to stop being the Swamp Thing. I think it's the Incredible Hulk vibe that I was getting. I just, I'm used to the story being, I'm disfigured, and how do I become free? Certainly, when he becomes involved with Heather Locklear, it becomes a temporary barrier between their lovemaking. They figure it out, of course, without having to turn him back, but it's real angsty and embarrassing for him to think that he could have a human relationship now that he's all vegetable. When she says she's a vegetarian, is that an oral sex joke? It will end up being in this film. They do have oral sex. We watch it. She (laughs) picks a pot off of him from the lower regions of his torso and devours it. It's as real as you want it to be. And as kinky. But I don't know. For whatever reason, I thought that that would be what this is about. Louis Jordan wants to be normal. Swamp Thing may or may not want to be normal. The key is connected to both Swamp Thing and Heather Locklear. And then we have this other woman who, welcome back, for the third time this year, we're talking about Sarah Douglas. Superman 2 villain, Return of the Living Dead 3 villain, and now Return of Swamp Thing pseudo villain. Her (laughs) career went downhill after Superman, but yeah, if we still had golden headphones, she'd be wearing them. (laughs) I kept trying to figure out what her secret was. She's a monster inside, right? She's being kept in human form as well, because at one point, she shows up in a bra and panties, and Louis Jordan says, I like you for what you're showing and even more for what you're not showing. So I take it to mean, you know, there's there's whispers about what she is and what her DNA holds. I take it to mean that she could be at any moment 
turning into one of these creatures as well. Oh, I didn't get that either. Mm, yeah, I, I never took it as that. I just, Arcane likes a smart person. He likes good DNA. That's what she can't show is her brains and her DNA. I don't know. I didn't take it as a monster lurking inside. Oh, well, then I guess I, then you must not have been as incredibly disappointed as I was <laughs> no. when her story arc unfolded. No, I was never expecting her to become a monster. No, no, I just took her as one of two evil scientists, the one with good lungs. Okay, well, it just seemed like there was something weird about her, that there was a secret to be had. There was so much time devoted to her. At the end of the day, why have two of them then? My God, the man is surrounded by beautiful women. His whole plantation is half run by these women. I said cut this character and just make it about Rochelle. He's the doctor that's actually doing stuff. He's got the asthmatic little inhaler that he pulls out every now and then. That's how you pay attention to him. But he's the one that is tranking and taking these people that are in the swamp and turning them into cockroach men and elephant men and leech men and all of that stuff. Well, I think that they're each working on a different thing. I think that Rochelle is working on the mutation, whereas Zorel is working on the cure. Zorel is said to be the one who brings Arcane back to humanity. And it's Rochelle who keeps taking a cockroach DNA and merging it with a human and creating all these mutants. Oh, I thought Rochelle did that. The names sound the same, and I, I just can't hear right in these movies. I thought it was Rochelle doing it all, but maybe it's Zorau. It doesn't help that Rochelle sounds like Rachel or something in it, but it's a guy. I, I found it very confusing until I realized who Rochelle was. Yeah. And I agree with you, though. These could have been cut. There's some kind of rivalry between them, and Zorel is also jealous of Arcane because she's now sleeping with him and yet doesn't have his full trust, and she wants to be closer to him, but he's still in love with his dead wife. It's really convoluted and melodramatic and far more complex than it needs to be for this silly, silly movie. I kept wondering, were they edging towards the idea that he had some kind of sexual attraction towards Heather Locklear? Was he considering boinking his stepdaughter? I mean, why else would Zorel see her as such a threat to the bedroom? I thought that too. I thought maybe the yeah. reason she was a stepdaughter instead of a daughter is so it wouldn't be so icky if he tries to rape her. Maybe by a hair. <laughs> I mean, she is almost raped twice in this film, but not by Arcane. Yeah, and boy, you know, I can't tell you, this is a movie that really reminded me of how often this becomes a thing on now playing. How often, when we see movies of a certain era and a, a certain sophistication or lack thereof, that the females just literally kind of exist to be captured or potentially raped. It's What else is Heather Locklear supposed to do in this movie? other than be a victim. It's it's kind of disconcerting, really. I felt like it was a real inhibitor to the fun. Arcane has this sexy female bodyguard. You get this slimy cop asking about these government bodies that can't be found. And, you know, he's like, well, I got to look around the premises. And he sends one of his male guards. He's like, no, I want that one. Pointing to the sexy female one. Yeah, they're here to be objects. I mean, this is an exploitation film, right? Well, I'll mostly disagree, though. I'll say Heather Locklear is an object. I think she was cast as an object. I think she works as an object. But you do have Zarel, who is a competent scientist who admittedly is a little love struck with evil arcane but she is smart and capable and then yeah you have that female bodyguard who is tough and really taking care of herself too so i think that those two show that the women are there 
I mean, yes, if you want to look at it a different way, women are either sex objects or evil, but at least there are competent women on the screen. It's not about competence. It's about the fact that Heather Locklear is here to be raped. I mean, I found that disconcerting. I, that They do it twice. Is really just tells me that they didn't know what else to do with her. And really, is is that all that we can imagine? That if a pretty woman shows up in the bayou, she's just going to have to constantly be thinking about being sexually assaulted? Like, this is a family movie. Do we really have to deal with that? I would usually agree with you, Stuart. This isn't really a family movie, though. They could call it PG. We could talk about these two little kids that show up in it. But come on, this director, he wants nothing to do with the PG movie. He wants to do that same slimy stuff he's done in Chopping Mall and other films. Oh, no. The director actually is the one who wrote the two kids into the movie. He wrote all of their stuff. So maybe the original screenwriters, with whom I don't think the director had much contact, were into this kind of rape environment. But no, this is aimed at the same crowd that watched Monster Squad and Goonies, if you ask me. And the tell for that are these two kids, Omar and Daryl, who, wow, their presence in this film, they are completely incidental to the plot. They never impact the plot in any meaningful way. They are simply a subplot put in here for kid appeal about two kids who want to get a picture of Swamp Thing so they can get, in their imagination, $10,000 from the Inquirer. Something about these kids remind me of 80s films, though. Like, there's always this sleaziness with the kids. Goonies, I'm thinking of. You know, Adventures in Babysitting, where, you know, they're po- they're watching MTV and looking at porn. It's something you could get away with back then with kids. Jude was my favorite character in the last movie. Daryl and Omar are my favorite characters in this movie. <laughs> totally played different than Jude, too. I'm totally laughing when the parents are out at bingo night and we got the porno mags reading through it and he's picking up one and going, oh my God, she's a Scorpio. I mean, I I, I just think they're hysterical. Stuart, I'll say they reminded me of us as a kid, though. (laughs) Look at their plot. Their plot is steal their dad's camera to take a picture of a monster so that they can get $10,000. That level of, first of all, semi-abuse going back and forth, and second of all, the fiscal nature of their plots. (laughs) I believe that all came from you. And that's how we got now playing, right? (laughs) Yes, uh, we had many, many plots. Maybe the podcast is just an extension of that, but we had many (laughs) plots in which we tried to take on the world. And so, yes, you're probably right. I'm not sure who is Omar and who is Daryl, but we both would have had this plot. If we heard that there were monsters out in our neighborhood, we would probably look at a way at monetizing that. Here's the funny thing. When they come up with this plot, there are weird references to the Alan Moore comic. It, Swamp Thing at one point says that his home used to be a plantation and that the ghost of the slave still haunt it. That's actually a storyline where there's a film crew trying to do a old Southern Civil War film at an actual plantation and it's haunted by the slaves. You know, the whole sex scene, that's straight from Alan Moore. And what ends up with that sex scene is someone gets a picture of the two doing the nasty. It gets published in the paper and it becomes this huge scandal where they go after abigail and try to jail her for deviant sex like i'm like wow are they really gonna go there with these two kids they're not gonna go there with those two kids but i did notice that one of the pornos they had was heather's playboy issue locklear is on the cover of one i did not catch that there's lots of jokes at her expense at some point she makes fun of tj hooker as well 
But you're right, they don't really have anything to do with this plot. I don't know why Leechman is attacking the trailer park. I don't know what they do that helps get anything going that wouldn't happen otherwise. That It's purely just to throw kids in there, but I appreciated it. I, I don't know what Jude did, but every time he was on screen, I enjoyed him, and it's the same with these two. I'm actually appreciating the Monster Mash kind of vibe of this film, and the fact that in his basement, Arcane has all these mutates that have come out of the experiments, and he's keeping them in cages, and he's destroying some, but some are escaping into the swamp. It's implied Leech Man isn't the first to get out and be on his own, and really Swamp Thing's doing Arcane a favor by covering it all up, right, and fighting <laughs> these beasts. I've never understood the rivalry between Arcane and Holland. I, I feel like they still haven't set up why they're enemies. I was really getting taken back. I mentioned last time that I was comparing Swamp Thing to the schlocky sci-fi films of the 50s. Now I'm being taken back to a schlocky sci-fi film I actually have an affinity for. The Curse of the Fly. The third of the old school fly series where they couldn't even get Vincent Price back. And instead of turning people into flies, it's the grandson of the original fly working with another scientist out in a wooded area, experimenting with their machine. And they have tons of mutated people that they, some they kill and others they keep in cages and they escape out into the city in the woods. And so I really am getting this kind of a vibe off here. I don't think a whole lot of people remember Curse of the Fly, but I think that that might have been a direct inspiration for this kind of monster mash thing we have going on. It could be. There's so many of those from the 50s. I, I can't tell you how many animal, insect, mutation, radiation storylines they were. I feel like that was the fear of the 50s. The nuclear bomb, radiation, mutation. It could have been Curse of the Fly. It could have been dozens and dozens of other ones, but I don't know. I never saw it. But that said, I think this plot really kind of drags on in this circuitous way where Locklear goes to Arcane, but then he decides to kidnap her even though she's already there. And so she has to escape and she's chased and then caught again. It's what they did with Barbo. It's, yeah, it's like girl over here, girl over there, girl in the swamp, girl in the cage. It just, yes, the movies end up being much more about what is this female in jeopardy than it ever is about Swamp Thing. We know Swamp Thing is the punchline. He's going to come in, he's going to fix the problem, but what we're following is Bimbo keeps getting harassed by the nasty security guard or, or what have you. And in the last film, you guys kept telling me, it's a love story between Alice and Alec. Here, I don't know that the love story is working that much more for me. Here, I see it is a love story. Last time, I questioned if it even was. Here, they're telling me that for whatever reason... Abby is really falling in love with this moss man. Because she's a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. She's never gotten along with boys. You said that she had issues with boys. The issues are that she doesn't have any. She likes plants better than people. So what's better than a guy made out of leaves? I just got to say, I was shocked that they went here. Like, I, I'm in how accurate it is from the comic. Swamp Thing, he buds, this fruit buds from him, and they each bite from it, and they go into some weird transcendental state where Swamp Thing's now a human. At least in the comic, she wants to bone Swamp Thing as Swamp Thing. She never wants him in human form. When they do this, and they go on this psychedelic trip that's sex, he's still Swamp Thing. Here, they compromise, and do they bring Wise back for this? That was not Wise, nor was that Rock. This was some himbo. 
Definitely not. Yeah, it's done really like out of some like cheesy telenovela or something. Like it's almost parody. Like she grabs Swamp Thing, they kiss. He's a plant. They pan up to some gauzy sun through the trees and then pan down. And it's, yeah, some guy with a shirt off that Ray Wise has never looked like. I think that they didn't want to pay him, right? That's why we don't see Barbeau. That's why we don't see Ray Wise. Even when they're telling the story in flashback, they just don't want any money going back to those folks. It's hard to say. What the director said is he didn't want there to be a discontinuity of character, so he tried to keep faces out of it, but some faces were still visible. But yeah, it could be that they didn't want to pay the residuals. Who knows? I don't think the director remembers a whole lot about this when he's doing the commentary. (laughs) It's just one of a dozen schlocky films. He's got a sci-fi movie he's got to kick out next week. He hasn't time to reflect. It was three weeks of his life over two decades ago. Wow, three weeks. I'm getting more of Swamp Thing's plant plantiness this time, though, and and appreciating that. Last time, the coolest thing he did was he had his arm cut off and grew it back in the sunlight. And here, he gets blown up and just uses it to his advantage to go sliding into the drain pipe and popping out of the bathtub. I thought that was clever. I wish the movie had even more of this kind of stuff. I wanted to see his plant powers used to their fullest, but we only get it sparingly. I don't know if that was something Alan Moore created where Swamp Thing could kind of just disappear into the root system and pop back up somewhere else in the world and reform from the plants around him, but it's something he used a lot in his run, and I was surprised to see it here. I'm like you, Stuart. I'm glad they expanded. We still haven't seen him control any plants, which is insane to me. You're in a swamp, Lots of plants around. Use your mind and control them. But yeah, I did like that, you know, he gets blown up. They turn him into guacamole, haha, And then he seeps into the sewage system and comes in through the bathtub and reforms. Does he turn on the tub or was somebody actually drawing a bath? I was a little confused. Yeah, Zorel, she was drawing a bath. She was in her robe. She's going to take a bath, turned it on, and then left for some reason. So it normally pumps in the swamp water? Well, he <laughs> seeped into the pipe somehow. <laughs> Okay, I'm just saying it's child logic. (laughs) You're just bringing that up now? No, I've been saying this since the beginning. As a child, I was afraid that the toilet water would end up in the sink. (laughs) Sadly, the one element that I really kind of liked with the last movie isn't really working this time. And you saying that Louis Jordan was throwing fits on the set kind of explains it. Because, man, I just don't get what he's about this time he wants some experiment there's all of this mumbo jumbo about getting her blood and they do this trick to put a ring on her finger and get some blood and so now what now what's going to happen the blood was to test to see if she had the same magical rare dna as her mother and she does but this really gets convoluted and perhaps it's because they were really again missing scenes that needed to explain it because there's something where Zorel has also some DNA that he needs. And so does a security guard named Conkling <laughs> who they're experimenting on. It makes no sense. There's three people. There's no reason to do this to your daughter when you have an underling already lying on the operating table. Well, but. And they need a piece of swamp thing too. It's, it's yeah, they're trying to collect DNA from everyone here. But she switches it, yes, that for whatever reason, Zorel becomes so jealous or does not want Louis Jordan to achieve his plot that she switches the Swamp Thing stuff out and ends up disfiguring him, but only a little. Yeah, I mean, his whole disfigurement this entire time appears to be some warts on his hand. Yeah. I I don't know if he refused makeup in this role or what, but yeah, he primarily just has a bumpy skin condition. I wanted this one to be the one where we really get the fight between 
arcane and Holland, and it's just not. In human form or as monsters, I never understand why these two are going at it. And here, Louis Jordan is more of a problem than he is a help to the situation. I keep going back this whole movie to Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. You say this comes out the same year as Batman. I think this has far more ties to the last Superman film than the first Batman film. As this goes on, the affinity I'm feeling for having just schlock that knows it's schlock versus schlock that thinks it's art is fading quickly and I'm just really wishing for a well-made, coherent film. The unfortunate thing is, we waited so long to do that third act that was somewhat enjoyable last week, and I've been having fun, pretty much, and then I get to this third act, and it kind of all falls flat for me. Yeah, it is the inverse. I agree. The ending is not there. I mean, I swear to God, Louis Jordan is shrugging. <laughs> what was that? What was that? <laughs> Swamp Thing has shown up in, in his lab. He's the one that kills Zorel, and then he's like, okay, blow up my my plantation. Really? It makes so much more sense from what Arnie has said that he just did not care, because I was confounded why he's, yeah, literally just shrugging, looking bored as everything he has built blows up. Plot-wise, he's trapped under a door. But he is shrugging, like, there's no look of horror. There's, he's, like, literally just, like, lifts his shoulders up and puts his bottom lip out and pouts a little bit. The end battle is given to Rochelle. The uh, scientist that was given an injection and has come back as a big brain mutant or whatever. that That's the big fight at the end. That and the security guard guns, I suppose, and his jeep full of missiles. But yeah, they, they don't give Jordan a battle. And I guess, you know, I'm conflicted. I liked him in the last movie, but if he was only going to come back to do this, maybe they should have had a different villain. Or just recast Arcane. If you're rebuilding him from being a sliced up werewolf... You can look like anything you want. You can get away with that. Hell, son of Arcane. That probably would have been better than stepdaughter of Arcane. But I have to laugh, because in this whole plot, he does succeed in killing Heather Locklear in the most attractive way possible. Absolutely no <laughs> physical injury. And Swamp Thing resurrects her, as we've seen him do. And God knows she is... Uh, they've They've upgraded that special effect from the green glow to now a green star field. And he says she may experience changes, and she sprouts a twig. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. I thought it made sense that she could love a vegetable already. I didn't realize that she would be turned into one. Bold choice. I, I don't know that I'd <laughs> want to see this as the happy ending, but uh, good luck to him. You're not looking for in a couple years, Lady Swamp Thing, for a review? <laughs> No, in a couple years it becomes a TV show, and uh, I'm sure, Arnie, you've got some things to say about that, but let's wrap it up with the movie first. Yes. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Return of Swamp Thing? Jacob. Look, this is way better than what we saw last week, by almost every possible way. The suit looks better, the, the voice gets worse, but the suit looks a lot better. It actually looks like a Swamp Thing. We get more monsters. It's unfortunate, though, that, you know, besides this leech man and the guy with the big brain, most of these monsters, they're just kind of tied down in this lab. We don't get to see them do a whole lot. We get some funny kids again. This one feels like it's supposed to be more intentionally funny, intentionally schlocky, but it's more enjoyable well i'm enjoying it i'm getting through it better than i did last week can i recommend it no not going to recommend it but if i got to pick one of these two i'm going to return to return of the swamp thing before i ever get back to that original one Stuart, 
I see what Alan Moore was going for. I would still like to see that attempted. This is a different thing. They went the low road and paid a price for it. It depends on how much you like junk cinema. I considered giving this a mild recommend, but truthfully, it breaks down for me in the fact that they still have not given Swamp Thing a good person to fight. Louis Jordan, a highlight of the last movie, now has completely given up trying, and there's just nothing in the movie for all of its various sub-monsters to really work in that way. And so, they came close. I could see the appeal. I would say if you have to do a Swamp Creature movie, this is much better than Man-Thing, much better than Swamp Thing, but I don't know. It, It would be a stretch for me to say that I enjoyed it. It's just, by comparison... It's so much better than what I've seen. But no, I think it's two for two red arrows on the Swamp Thing series. Make that six for six. But I may argue, I don't know which way I'm going to go, but I don't think it's clear cut that this is better than even the last one when all is said and done with this. And my reason for that is, what's better? Trash that knows it's trash or somebody trying to make something good and ending up with trash for reasons outside his control. The former. I sometimes think it's better to try to reach the heavens and fall to Earth like Icarus than to just be happy being a groundling. Do you think Wes Craven was reaching for the heavens? I think he was reaching for the bottle. (laughs) In that case, I agree. Sometimes, Arnie, you might be right. But Wes Craven came off as just pretentious, thinking that he was doing Star Wars or something when he knew that was his budget. If you know you're doing trash, make the best of what you can with your trash. Yeah, but keep in mind, the budget kept shrinking day after day that he filmed. And he never said it was Star Wars. The star, Adrian Barbeau, said that she thought it would be Star Wars. Wes Craven just thought it might be a decent action flick. Here, this is trash. This is right there on par with the stuff again from USA Up All Night and that kind of stuff that has no ambition whatsoever other than to be cheap and appeal to all audiences. The PG rating here, the fact that the only curse we get is one instance of shit, it really tells me this was meant to play on television at night, sell to cable stations, get in, get out, be cheap. And That's not admirable. That's not art. That's not ambitious. So, in many ways, I found this one more difficult to watch than the last. They were both extraordinarily painful (laughs) movies. This one had more laughs for me, and I just can't decide how many were and weren't intentional. The hallucinogenic sex scene was really a head-scratcher. But, yeah, Arcane in both movies is a ill-defined crappy villain. Dick Duroc in both movies is a pretty imposing presence as the Swamp Thing, and he's got a better outfit here, but I can't recommend either one of these movies. Though again, like the last one, there's a place for those USA Up All Night movies, and I can understand people who enjoy them. That doesn't mean I'll ever give one a green arrow, but that doesn't mean that there isn't some guilty pleasure fun to be had. But no, this isn't very good, but... I'm not even sure how much of this was intended to be a movie, because one year after this, we got Swamp Thing, the TV series, using the same actor in the same outfit. I have to wonder, and the director may not even know, he certainly didn't say, if this was a movie that was produced just to cover the costs of setting up an outfit and a backstory that could then be reused 
cheaply on a made-for-USA network TV series. I know about this series. I didn't really watch it, but I did go to Universal Studios while they were filming it. And it remains to this day a private joke between my dad and I. I could just turn to him and go, Mutant Dwarves from Mozambique, because... That was what the tour guy was trying to explain to us. Swamp Thing was fighting when we were watching the shoot, and even he could not get through it. He was laughing and had to excuse himself from the tour because he realized how ridiculous it was that there were mutant dwarves from Mozambique. I also saw this being filmed. I talked a little bit about it if you were a gold donor on our Psycho 4 podcast. But yes, I went through and thought I was seeing that being filmed and I was seeing some scenes from Swamp Thing. I'm pretty sure Dick Duroc waved at our little passing tram. It was all very exciting to see movie making. And because I'd seen it before the show was ever aired, I'm like, there's a TV series of Swamp Thing? It was before it aired that I saw it being filmed, and I went back, and when this came on USA, I watched, as far as I can remember, every episode back in the 90s. <laughs> of course. So even though I didn't like either movie, that's not going to stop me. I don't know that I'd ever seen Return of Swamp Thing. I just didn't like the mm. original movie, but when this came on, I was curious to see if the thing I saw filmed. I never was able to place the scene to my memory. But it was a half an hour show, it was low investment, it was semi-superhero, it was fine. Now, I will say, I went back and I watched some of those episodes again. I did not watch all three seasons, nor mm. will I be writing any reviews for the Vincenzo Media Gazette. <laughs> what? You're slipping! He'll do it right after he finishes Hulk. <laughs> I was gonna say, he's still got Hulk to finish. I'm a little busy writing some Stephen King books and nachos. Oh my god, the list would just keep growing. But... The series didn't really hold up. It was pretty funny. It was where I got my, I was once a man, I know the evil men do, voice. It was really this gravelly, deep voice Dick Duroc affected. But it was on par with the USA Network airings of the time. And I was kind of into those shows, like Silk Stockings and... <laughs> Did they have weird science going then, or did that come later? Yeah, they did. That was near the tail end of Swamp Thing's run, but yes, weird science and Duckman. Yes. I mean, I was watching a lot of those shows. I can't say I recommend the TV series either, but it's certainly heads and tails above what this movie tried to do. That was my question, was what tone were they striking? Did they go for that kind of grindhouse nastiness of Wes Craven or the camp fest of this one? Or did they strike a balance? Was it more like Xena or something? I'd say they struck a balance. What I kept going back to in my comparative was another 90s superhero show of Lois and Clark where you had the hero in the swamp, and he was completely self-actualized being the swamp thing in the episodes I rewatched. But there was kind of a kid sidekick that came with him on a couple of adventures. Ah. and But Arcane was there, too. He was the recurring nemesis. It was a different Arcane. They rebooted continuity. It was not a follow-up to Return of Swamp Thing. It was a new Arcane, also researching science experiments and creating new mutates. And yeah, I did see a mutant dwarf or two. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that makes sense for television. You would want it to have that kind of appeal. But they're not done with this. I know they've been trying very hard for years to reboot Swamp Thing as a major theatrical event. And my guess is, as a much more stark, serious, gothic horror character. Guillermo del Toro's trying for it. 
He wants to create that movie we talked about when we reviewed Constantine that has a lot of these characters, Constantine and Swamp Thing and some others all together in a big romp. Well, the name I heard was Vincenzo Natale, who did Cube and another genetic mutant movie called Splice. And I guess it depends on how big a star director they want to go with. Someone up and coming that's hungry or someone that has a well-established nerd cred like Del Toro. Well, Del Toro, I enjoy a lot of his movies. I actually like Splice. Uh, I could see either director doing good, doing that darker take that Alan Moore, I think, popularized with Swamp Thing. Yeah, but I bet you Alan Moore won't like the movie no matter what they do. No, he, he, he'll give all the money to the artist and he'll poo-poo it. If he didn't like V for Vendetta, there's little hope that he's going to like what they do with Swamp Thing. But That said, they're having a real rights problem with Swamp Thing. What I'd learned in one of the bonus features made this year for Swamp Thing, the original Wes Craven film, is nobody's quite sure who owns the rights and it's not really a top priority for DC to figure it out. <laughs> I agree. It's not my top priority either. I've already seen a lot of superhero and comic book adaptations. But I will say this. I like the setting. I like swamps. I like gothic. I like that southern gothic style. And if they could tell a good kind of creepy story that is more horror maybe than traditional superhero, I would be actually okay with seeing a new swamp thing. I won't say excited. I, I couldn't be excited about it, particularly given these last two movies, but I do see a potential there for something grander than what has been achieved so far on screen. I would put my excitement for a new Swamp Thing film right there with my excitement for a new Man Thing film, which isn't to say that I think either of the Swamp Thing films are as bad as Man Thing. I just think both have interesting source material that, if adapted right, could make a good film in spite of the crap we've watched and reviewed, but also could be done excessively poorly yet again. Yeah, and I would count on the latter, just given the average. Both DC and Marvel, just chock full of really, really awful movies. Some good ones in there too, but man, I don't know. Just stay out of the dark water. <laughs> we're gonna be going on to some comic book movies next week we got thor we'll see if the, they've improved that one that was one of the awful ones that i wasn't too pleased with but maybe they'll have fixed it i can't believe you not recommended that i can't believe you not recommended that go to the Do archives i know i mean you in the plural <laughs> I can't believe anyone would stand behind it, as appealing as the stars were. That really was the strength of the movie, but man, that was a bad film. Hey, this and podcast is coming out on Tuesday. You know where I'll be on Thursday? Or as I'll call it, Thor's Day? Oh. I'm going to the marathon, mother bleeper. <laughs> I'm going to be watching Thor again, because I like it. And then Avengers, and then Thor 2. Wow. So we will have that review next week. And if you need more podcasting content, we did a bonus show for Halloween. Go back. We reviewed Fright Night 2. No, we already reviewed that 80s one a long time ago. We reviewed the one that came out direct to video a few weeks ago. A lot of requests for it. People were excited. Are you going to do it? Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? We wanted to surprise you. So here it is. It's a trick or it's a treat, but it's out. You can enjoy it now. It's also not the only horror sequel that's been heavily requested in the last few weeks. And guess what? We're doing that one too. That's right. For the first time ever, we are pulling a donation series out of the vault and making it available again 
It's the Child's Play series. They had a new movie, a lot of requests. We had to go and discuss how or if we would address an additional sequel to Child's Play. So, if you were a previous donor for Child's Play or the DVD-ROM that had the Child's Play series, you've already gotten an email from me, or you should have, with your sixth podcast. If you didn't, drop me a line. If you never donated for the Child's Play series, it is being made available once again just through the end of the year, not because we want to do it, but because you demanded it. Demand. Believe me, I was the naysayer on this. I felt like we should only release it to the people that bought it. But keep in mind, our viewership was really low when we released that one. And there are a lot of people that let me know it was very important to them that we cover the new Chucky, that they have access to Chucky. All right, here he is for a limited time only. He's back on the scene and I hope people enjoy it. Yes, so find all the details by clicking the banner at the top of NowPlayingPodcast.com. Until then, I'll always be with you. It's over. Alec, let me go with you. Please. You need to heal. You need to tell our story. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. Wow, Swampface kicking some butt! Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie. Talent does only what it can. Genius does what it must. Plus, in the archive section at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find other reviews in our DC Comics retrospective, including reviews of the Superman films, Batman films, Green Lantern, V for Vendetta, A History of Violence, Tank Girl, Constantine, and more. Well, fun's fun, but how about showing me something else? You can also hear our reviews of non-comic-based films, including Star Trek, The Karate Kid, Predator, James Bond, Rambo, Rocky, and more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. My man, I wouldn't steer you wrong. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. We should definitely expect company. And we will receive them with our customary hospitality. Exactly. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. And I thought you were up for some fun. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Have you given any thought to that salary increase we talked about? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. But we will get it. When? Soon. Won't we, Doctor? Yes, quite soon, Dr. Arcade. You can also help Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Terrific. I'll remember that the next time I throw a party. Now Playing's Swamp Thing retrospective series is edited by Heath, Phil, and Arnie. One more afternoon like this and it's back to Betty Ford. Now playing credit narration by Brock. But I'm digressing. 
Now Playing is not affiliated with the producers of these motion pictures. All movies discussed on Now Playing are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This has all the thrills of watching grass grow. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Why can't men be more like plants? I mean, you can stroke a plant and it doesn't get the wrong idea. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. That kind of turns me on. I rest my case. Just to fill in the listeners, there was a detective agency... <laughs> There was plans for profiteering on it. It did not come to be. It ended with a spanking. Let me put it that way. <laughs> it never ended with a spanking. Yes, we set out to get drug dealers and we, it ended with a hairbrush. I never got hit with the hairbrush. <laughs> That's not the way I remember it. Uh, hey, I'd remember it more. All I, I was chased with it, but she never hit home. <laughs> I stand corrected. At any rate, 